so to kick things off as kind of an overview intro, um, what were just some of your earliest experiences with music as a whole to where that you are now working in music full time? Yeah. Um, I mean, I grew up in Minnesota, so, uh, Prince was, he was amazing. Um, (laughs) I, yeah, I was like, I think in high school when that was happening. Um, and so I was really into that. And then I went to, um, school at Old Dominion University in Virginia, which was really interesting. So I kind of got introduced to more like hip hop there. It's, it was like 80% black, you know, so mm-hmm. that was a different world for sure. And, um, I really loved that. That was really cool. Um, and then after that I lived in, you know, I went back to Minneapolis. I really wasn't into music much during, you know, finishing up college. And then, um, when I went to New York, I think I really kind of got back into music and, um, I lived above a record label or not a record label, a record store, um, in the West village. And so I was always going in there and getting recommendations from, you know, the guys there. So that's kind of where I started my, you know, foray into kind of electronic music. Um, and then I met Barkley probably in 2001, um, when I moved to LA and I, I think I was, I think I was playing jungle or something, you know, on our date and he was like, whoa, (laughs) you know? And so I think that was kind of like, oh my God. You know, for her, for him, it was really cool. Yeah. Do you remember the name of the record store that you lived above? I don't. I don't remember anything <laughs> from New York. <laughs> it was so much fun. I mean, I love New York. It was the best place um, for me, you know. I think I was 28 at the time, and I lived there for five years. And I just had so much fun. It was amazing. What brought you out there initially? Was it like a job or something? Oh, yeah. I was working in advertising. So mm-hmm. um, this company, Fallon McGilligate, which was like one of the best agencies in Minneapolis and actually the country, they were, they were nominated as like the best agency, um, said that I could move to New York. They were splitting up with um, Andy Berlin and they needed some help working on some clients. And so they asked me to go move to New York and I I did and they put me up for six months it was incredible um, just to kind of like ease me into it you know um, yeah so it was a job and then I moved from New York to LA for advertising for a job with Ogilvy and then to San Francisco in advertising you know to different um, agencies and and then I went client-side um, in San Francisco, so I was like director of integrated marketing in San Francisco um, for Leapfrog, which is like a kids company. Um, and then I went and did like marketing consulting on my own for I think Ella was two years old, and so I did that for seven years, and then mm-hmm. I started working full time with Dirty Bird. So long time, yeah. Was was that New York firm one of those big Mad Men Madison Avenue yeah. kind of firms? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What sort what sort of stuff would you advertise for them? I worked on Forbes. Um, I think I was 
Fortune magazine. And then mm. I worked on um, Bankers Trust, which was a bank company. And then I also was in charge of new business for them. So like, you know, new business pitches, stuff like that. And uh, I loved it. I mean, I love advertising. I really do. I still love, you know, everything about it. So you're the kind of person who pays for like the lower tier on streaming services, so you still get the commercials for sure? <laughs> Actually, I don't, I don't think I do that. <laughs> I definitely watch the Super Bowl ads and I skip all the other ads. So I don't really, it's, it's fascinating to me though. Like it's always fascinating how people are marketing to people, right? Mm -hmm. I'm always watching that. Um, it's just so, it's like, I don't know, it's like a part of my DNA. Yeah, I mean, um, in the marketing job I actually got after I was interning at Journey Bird, uh, mm -hmm. my boss, one thing he said, he's like, the point of marketing is to get people to make a choice, right? Buy this thing, you know, do do this, sign up for this mailing list or whatever. And so yeah. it really is kind of like a psychological art is like, how do we make people want to do this thing? It's kind of fascinating if you think about it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, the action is like, what action do you want them to take? And um, I will say though that like, I mean, I've worked on uh, paper towels. I've worked on toilet paper. I've worked on uh, Kodak you know, digital. Um, I've worked on just ton, all different categories, restaurants. I mean, it's kind of the, it's amazing how similar everything really is. Yeah, when you think about all the different categories and what you really want them to do, um, is to just to take some action. And it just takes a while for them to do that, right? Um, so how do you connect with them on a deeper level? And, and I am like, in, in everything that I do and try and do, and I don't even think I do it incredibly well, I really try to do this, but it's really about hitting on emotions and what, it's like there's the rational side of advertising and the emotional side of advertising, right? And so for me, it's always been, how do I dig into the emotional side? Because the rational side is here today, gone tomorrow. There's gonna be a next best thing that's gonna take over, you know, a bigger percentage off or whatever that's the rational advertising but the emotional side for me is like really core to what I love about it and um, and uh, of course with music it's like you know people want music in their life and so it's a little bit easier to to communicate that and so you're you're giving them something that they already want right that's like a mm -hmm. measurable thing to them. You're not asking them to like go open a new bank account, which is not really that pleasurable, right? You know? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a different type of uh, thing, which I think it's like, it's actually way easier to do marketing for, for something that people really love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I really love about music and marketing music. Um, Cause it's just like, you know, there's only so many things that people really want in their life, and music is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. And I imagine doing that same kind of work for something as mundane as a bank, mm -hmm. it's, it was kind of, it really prepared you for the music side, I imagine. Yeah, for sure. 
it was really interesting because it's like, you know, at some point I was handing like $250 million in ad spend. And as you know, that's like, oh my God, right? But it's just crazy how, uh, yeah, mundane things can be and how reckless I think some people are with the money, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there was a lot of testing and there was a lot of back and forth, but still it's just, you know, we don't have a lot of money at all in what we're doing. And so we need to make sure that every, every little thing we do counts, right? So, yeah, it's different for sure. So is that kind of like maybe how the balance tipped? So like, you know, a bank says we need a marketing campaign. The bank has a bajillion dollars to be like, do whatever you want because it's and and you need that because it's more difficult that's why capital one gets yeah. samuel jackson to right. be the face right. of their company whereas with dirty bird fully independent it's like yeah. there's that cushion because it's something people want yeah. but you still have to kind of do more with less in a way for sure for sure i mean the corporations never say do what you want i mean they oh <laughs> Here's yeah. what here's what you, need, you know, you help strategize and you help tell them what goals you're going to make, right? And you tell them you're going to deliver and you have to deliver and if you don't you're in trouble, right? Cuz mm -hmm. the CMO is in trouble. But um but yeah. It's different. We're definitely more on the line. We don't have a corporation without corporation money or um yeah. I know we we um, just sold Dirty Bird the label to Empire, so it's a little bit mm -hmm. different um, now. And actually, I'm not involved in that right now anymore. Mm -hmm. side. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to move things along to Dirty Bird, I mean, there's the story. You know, Barkley gets a loan from you, and. I think this is how it goes. You tell him you have to do this. If if you don't pay me back within a year, then you have to get a real job. That was the, the gist of it, right? Kind of. I mean, I just said I would support him for a year. I would give him a year. Mm -hmm. And if he could make... So he was doing, like, digital um, duplication, like CD, DVD duplication company, and he was making $50,000 a year. And, he, and I said, okay, fine. Quit your job. I'll support you. But just so you know, like after a year, you have to show me how you're gonna make fifty thousand dollars, because mm -hmm. if you know, you don't have to make it in that year, but after that year, you have to show. Okay, this money is gonna come in because I'm doing music and I'm doing all this stuff, right? So mm -hmm. that was the agreement. And then I said, well, if yeah. you don't make it, if you don't, if you spend a year doing music and you can't figure it out, you know. Then, like, just you're gonna have to go go back and get your other job back, you know, mm -hmm. or something like that. You're gonna have to get a job because I I was like I had no idea, you know, if he was good, no clue. He'd been doing I think, <laughs> he was like 32, I think, when I met him, you know, and he'd been trying to do it for a long time. And um, but I wanted to support him and I wanted to, you know, make sure that he could live out his dream. That well, he he and so many other people are grateful <laughs> you did that for sure, um, and so. But at that period, is did you were still working 
outside of Dirty Bird oh, when yeah. he was in that phase, right? Yeah, and in, in fact, I think what happened is I was, I think I helped him, I hired him at LeapFrog, and he made, like, videos and stuff for the research videos, and he did some stuff to make some money. He had to make $10,000, I think, to start the label, right? So we figured out he needed ten grand. So I hired him to do a bunch of stuff, and then um, he got the ten grand, and then he started releasing the stuff. And um, I was just on the periphery for many years, um, you know, more like marketing advising, you know, like stuff. He was really doing everything himself, mostly. It was just like, you know, logos, icons, you know, stuff like that. Um just very, very minimal at first, you know? And then when he started um, doing more releases and touring, you know, I was still working for two years, I think, full-time. Um, and then I think after, uh, or actually more like five years full-time. It was really hard, and he was traveling constantly, and I had the two kids, and I was working more than full-time, and it was really tough, you know? I, I really had a hard time and it was it's just hard when kids are little you know it's just mm -hmm. it's not easy mm -hmm. and so when you decided to do dirty bird full-time did that in some ways make things easier just because it was kind of a more like central effort you weren't at some other job it was kind of like everybody was working together in a way yeah. under the same roof yeah yeah, I think that happened about 10 years ago um, mm -hmm. when I started working full-time. And it was more like I didn't really want to work for him, to be honest. I was kind of like um, – I was doing consulting, and I was making pretty good money um, doing that. But I was working three days a week, and I was traveling a lot, actually. I was traveling back up to San Francisco three days a week um, when we lived in Venice. And um, – he was just like, stop traveling, I can't take it, you know, like, I need you here, I need you helping me, and I think it's time, you know, for you to start working on the label, and I was like, okay, I said I would start a little bit, I was like, okay, I will quit my job, but I'm just going to do clothing, <laughs> that's what I said, I'm just going to do clothing first, and then I was like, I started for like a month, and I was like, oh my god, like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so the second I started doing clothing, I was like, you know, like, you don't have a email, you don't have a database, you don't have, you know, like, my marketing just went crazy, and I was like, I can't just sit here on the sideline and watch this happen, right? Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was just so ripe for someone to come in and really kind of take over the business side of things, and he was really working on his own, you know music and everything and we had hired Darren to run the label and it was really just like there was no infrastructure whatsoever um and we didn't you know that was it we had one person mm. so it was really mm -hmm. kind of perfect to kind of come in and start creating the infrastructure for the businesses and figure out I think um you know figure out how we were going to do the different companies too and I think mm -hmm. that's really important that I don't think people understand is like, you know, we had Tail Feather Touring, which was Barclays Touring Company. We have Dirty Bird LLC, which is the label. We have Dirty Bird Clothing LLC, which was the clothing company. 
we have Tail Feather Events, which is a corporation, and it's only set up that way because liability-wise, if something happens on the event side of things, it helps you shield Barclays Touring Company, and also it's really good to know um, and keep all of your money separate, so you know, <laughs> okay, you know, the event company is making this much or losing this much, right? Mm-hmm. And you have this much amount of money to work on the marketing and do all that stuff, right? Same with the label. So it's really like keeping every unit separate was really helpful for us to understand how is everything doing and how mm-hmm. do you measure success or failure, you know, for that year. And to be honest, like Barkley never cares about numbers at all. Like he's just like, I just want to go do this thing and how much can I do it with, you know? And it's really hard because he wants to do all the fun stuff and all the really expensive stuff. And I was always the one going, well, you know, yeah, that would be really great to do that. But you know that we'll like lose hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Like you get that, right? (laughs) And he was always like, ah, that's a bummer. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but he always has these ideas of grandeur and um, and it's really great because we live up to a lot of them. You know, we do mm-hmm. we do a lot of fun stuff. But honestly, it's um, yeah, it was tough being like the budget person, you know, the business person that said no, um, and the person who was like, we can't really hire millions of people. You know, we can't mm-hmm. really get an office. We can't really. You know, it's like stuff like that. That was really interesting. Is that off your plate now that things are more established in the way that they are? Um, so because we sold to Empire, yeah. So Dirty Bird, you know, the label, the clothing company, the Web3 business, um, and the publishing company are now off my plate. And Barclays mm-hmm. now working on that with Empire. And so the money thing is totally off my plate, except for events, right? Events mm-hmm. are kind of there. Um, and we kind of paused events other than Dirty Bird Camp Out right now um, because Dirty Bird Camp Out is awesome and the budgets are really much lower to execute. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's a much easier um, event to produce and to budget for. There's still a huge risk in it, you know, Um, but we're leaving for Dirty Bird Camping tomorrow. So we're really excited about it. We actually sold out all the rooms. We think we're going to actually have a really great walk up, you know, for the days and nights um, tickets that we're selling. So it's really, um, it's a much lower, uh, you know, risk than camp. Mm -hmm. So we actually put a pause in camp out for this year. Um, We're just looking for a new location and a new investor because we're kind Mm of um, tired of like the risk, you know, the huge risk that we put on ourselves um, to execute that event. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it seems like after the pandemic, tons of independent events are having a hard go of it. You know, I mean, Desert Hearts, Desert Hearts had to do their last minute complete shift in the event and I mean everybody who went still said that was a total blast so I mean the, the like there's there there'll be those minority of people who 
will complain, but for the most part, the community is both on board and they understand the plight of it for sure. I'm trying to figure out what is really happening. Um, you know, like EDC is doing great. Um, they're selling out like mad and uh, I don't know. It's so funny as I'm watching you, there's this um, bird that's <laughs> in the nest. It's like a, anyway, it's like so perfect for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was a nest outside my window. But anyway, um, yeah, so I'm not sure what's really happening with the independent, um, you know, festivals. Because ours, I mean, we saw a little bit of a hit last year. And I don't know. I'm not sure what's happening, you know, um, with, you know, with the, I don't know if it's a genre thing. I don't think so. Or if, like, you know, just the... The smaller events, I think, just are, it's just a lot of money and time for people mm -hmm. to go to, too. And so I think they're having to pick and choose, um, you know, which ones to really go to and where to spend their money. Um, so I'm hoping that that turns around. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, the economy kind of gets a little bit better and then we're back in it, you know? Yeah, and I mean... Um like you said with K like the, all the rooms are sold out at camping yeah. and stuff like that so you know it's 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 on people's radars and i mean you can't forget that edc is backed by live nation so that's, that's that is a big that is a big aspect in their in their operations yeah, for sure know. you know i know but it's always like you know it's always we always wanted um you know we wanted to really grow and be more um you know less risk and but i don't think it's ever going to be like that i think it's always huge risks and i just want to thank like all the promoters out there you know mm -hmm. and i mean i think that sort of energy kind of feeds into what camp out is you know like it doesn't have that corporate feel yeah you know like like What's it called? I mean, I love Coachella oh so much with all my heart. I went both weekends this year and, you know, there's a gigantic Adidas activation, this building that's like covered in flowers and shit like that. You know, the, the, there's a stage branded for Heineken and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, that they're they're doing what they need to do, right? That, that, that doesn't like bother me per se. But when I walk around camp out and see like, a stage built out of wood <laughs> you know like this this like hand this handcrafted stage it's not the same thing you know and like yeah. it it's 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 a unique offering that has its own value within the landscape for sure yeah yeah it's yeah amazing. we love it so much really mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh to sh shift gears a bit uh i wanted to get dive into kind of the marketing aspect of it. And so, you know, for a time, yeah. you were in charge of marketing the label, the clothing, the events, yeah. you know, tours for other artists, all of that. And so you were talking before about the emotions of marketing and how that, like, how to really get into people's psyche and make them want to, you know, make those choices again. So yeah. what sort of emotions would come with, dirty bird in that sense and would those change across the different verticals of events clothing music yeah in that way so i don't think um i think the unifying um 
component of Dirty Bird, um, you know, really was, uh, it, it was sort of like out of necessity at first, which was really interesting because we didn't have a lot of money. We actually called on the community to really, um, in, you know, be a part of it, to submit designs, to um, tell us what they wanted, to, to talk to them more and have them be the input that we wanted for the business because we needed that from them, you know? Like we needed clothing designs, we needed, um, you know, merit patch designs, we needed, um, you know, we just, it, it was kind of a thing that we actually started because of necessity, but then after a while it was like, oh, they really like being a part of this. It is their brand. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's really like the emotional component that I think was really important with Dirty Bird that mm -hmm. made everyone not just feel like they were a part of it, but they were a part of it, right? And they could also, like, they decided um, what cities the barbecues would go to, right? Um, because they would vote every year to bring the barbecues to their city. Um, there's, it's just nonstop, like, all these little things. We, You know, and on the bottom of our website, we have, you know, something that's, like, you know, submit your creative ideas. We were always going through people's creative ideas, visual ideas, T-shirt ideas, um, you know, just tons of stuff that we would always ask them and need their input on. And I feel like um, they counted on that with us, you know? And it was also just, they were really a part of it, um, just as much as we were wanting them to be a part of it. Do you know what I mean? So it was really, it was really um, symbiotic in that kind of building that community up. And I felt like, I do feel like that was really the difference, you know, between somebody just doing it and telling them what they're doing versus, you know, us always asking what we should be doing, right? And I, I know that I feel really good about that, you know? Mm -hmm. really like they are part of Dirty Bird yeah and I mean overall back to Camp Out mm -hmm. I really think Camp Out is was the first event of its kind to integrate the artists into the community that way and I mean because I went to the first I went to the first one ever when the games offerings weren't as you know vast and you know yeah specific as they are now it was a, it was a bit more bit, bit more minimal but um because it, it just it came from the natural spirit of the artists who almost all those artists played almost every event yeah. and um but they and so that they knew what it was about and they already wanted to be a part of it and i mean like yeah. something similar is like holy ship would have those artist activities but i think that was part of it just because you know all the artists are on the boat anyways and so the fans are going to see them around no matter what so it's like the promoters are like okay well let's let's have them you know do yoga or whatever after they well they hired someone that worked at camp out oh really <laughs> um that's okay but yeah okay we, yeah but to be honest you're right i mean it all began because we were so approachable and the artists were so approachable at the very beginning 
right? Mm-hmm. It's like the crew with Justin and Christian and Worthy um, and Barkley were just so down to earth. And I think this is so, this is like, you see it all the time now with like major artists where they're like, oh, I'm just like you, right? I'm just like, what are you? And you're like, no, you're really not. But anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like, um, it was, uh, we, we, you know, starting with the parties in the park, it was like, you partied with the fans, they were our friends. And that's what mm-hmm. we were used to. And so when Cap Out started, it was like, you know, it was a time for us all to be together, too. And it was a time for all of the artists to kind of celebrate together, which was really great. And then actually, you know, it, it took some coordinating, of course, to be like, well, who wants to play, you know, dodgeball? And who wants to play uh, <laughs> balloon toss or whatever, right? <laughs> but I think, I think because so many artists stayed the whole weekend and they played, it was just like they had time to go play. And it was fun mm-hmm. playing, right? It was fun playing these games. And I feel like artists and meet and greets are so uncomfortable, you know? It's like, oh, can I just sit around and talk to you? And artists are really you know they're very introverted and so it's mm-hmm. very hard for them to kind of have a conversation with their fans but they can play with their fans and that is just makes a huge difference you know it's really fun yeah and i mean just going back to what you said about having the community involved really since day one it's the artists who play camp out it, it whether it's said or unsaid, I feel like that's kind of the prerequisite where it's like, if you're going to play camp out, you know, you're kind of have to be involved in that way, but I don't feel like that's something you've ever had to like ask, you know what I mean? And of course there are the exceptions like big daddy Kane probably wasn't playing dodgeball and shit like that. But, um, for, but you know, you know, the artists, you know, the artists I'm talking about, the ones where it's like, you like you're releasing on the label you're probably going to come back next year that kind of thing and it's you know if you like they they saw it as an opportunity do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. if you really because they wanted the the audience right they really want the dirty bird audience to love them because regardless of where they go in the world you know they'll be there so it's like Mm -hmm. a really good opportunity to make that connection with your fans and um, we encourage people to stay, you know, on site as much as possible. We're like, uh, I think DJ Snake, where we're like, um, you want to stay? You want to rent an RV? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. And I mean, uh, like, to to that same point, you know, I mean, I, I remember at Campin last year, Barkley didn't even give himself the closing set on Saturday night. It was like Walker and Royce played after. But... There, like, whatever, whenever he plays at one of those events, like you know, it's, it there's there's a certain there's a certain energy happening, you know, throughout the crowd. And I mean, um, I'm blessed to know know him and know you and know people in the community. And like, you know, I'm I'm an avid person who's like being being up on stage like really isn't that big of a deal. Like you want to be out in the dance floor and stuff. Yeah. But if it's Barkley set at a Dirty Bird event, yeah. being on stage is just like. <laughs> 
like it's just it's just that microcosm and you see like this this is where like this is what this is this what's happening right on the stage is what started everything yeah you know what i mean and it's it's and and that's not to say you don't get that at other points in the festivals that's just you know me being in a grateful position to be able to experience that like version of it for sure yeah and it's funny because everywhere every time there's like a new stage manager or a new tour manager or something they're all like oh don't get close to the dj and you're like (laughs) it's like i think he i think he's i think he's all right i think he's all right with it just a little bit okay yeah yeah um in terms of that fan input Mm -hmm. How does how does that get balanced with these big ideas that you and Barkley have? You know, because you know you mentioned that like he he has these big ideas, and you know, being on the back end when I was, you know, he's he's decisive about what he wants to happen. So how does that kind of how do those two forces kind of balance each other out? So I just do a lot of the fan input. He doesn't really do mm-hmm. that as much, and then mm-hmm. he gets what he wants most of the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. He doesn't get the money for it, but he gets the ideas. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, it's, it's always been kind of a, you know, a little bit of a battle with him, you know, to be honest. Um, so, I don't know. It's I always say to him, you know, I never ask him to do anything that he doesn't want to do. Um, mm-hmm. And he only can do things that he wants to do, right? If I ask him to do something that he doesn't want to do, and I've done that a couple of times, and it always backfires on me. Because he's always <laughs> changing his mind and trying to wiggle out of it, and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? You know what I mean? So it's a little like, you know, it's ha- it's hard for people to sort of see our um, debates, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's, we debate a lot. And I push a lot on certain things, but like on the marketing side of things, I'm like, dude, you know, I mean, you can't argue with me, <laughs> right? You know, like, he does all the stuff that he wants on his own, his on Cloud Month mm-hmm. Stroke. I've, I've learned to just stay out of it. Like I'm not involved. Mm-hmm. And I love mm-hmm. that because I yeah. don't want to deal with that. You know what I mean? I want mm-hmm. him to run his own name at Barkley Crunch. I want him to do all that stuff. But to be honest, we had some really, like, every time we go away, um, like, we were just in Europe for two weeks or whatever, and we love to brainstorm ideas, and we come up with some really, really fun stuff together that, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes down to, like, idea generation, we, we have the best time, and we do really well. And then when it comes down to like execution and money is where the problem comes in, right? Because like, it's always great ideas. And then it's like, okay, now what can we really afford to do? You know, Mm -hmm. but, um, but no, I mean, I want him to do and get as much as he can possibly get and want, you know, Mm -hmm. everything that he's doing. And, um, he really does have like his mind is constant his constant thinking of ideas and it's kind of annoying because (laughs) because it's like i thought we were done with that i thought we were moving on with that 
you know, but honestly, like, that's what, I, I, I do not manage him. I mean, I will, people say and think I manage him, but like, I'm the COO of his companies, right? And the CMO of his companies. And so I help him, you know, find the right photographers and videographers and, you know, hire the right people. And I do all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But he definitely drives the ship, which I think all artists need to do. A hundred percent, you know. And we we've managed some people here and there too. Um, and you know, I think that's really. Um, and also, we do like the POC mentoring, you know, um, scholarship thing, and it's just. I think it's just really important that everyone understands that as the artist, the really successful artists are driving everything. They're driving their teams, you know? And mm-hmm. they are always asking more and more and more. And it's like, it's kind of relentless, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, re- relentless is, is what it takes from the artists I've sp- spoken to over the years, that's for sure. Know, isn't it amazing? I mean, it really is what makes them successful. Mm-hmm. So dedicated. And definitely. And so I want to talk about uh, kind of just the innovation and adaptability of Dirty Bird. And I'm relating this to two aspects, uh, which are streaming and NFTs. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, you know, no one knew what to do, but it seemed like streaming was this thing that might provide a. a some relief and dirty bird very quickly was able to integrate you know this whole program of yeah. of streams and content and then oh, another one was now. the nf it was crazy yeah and then another one was nfts and i mean seems like nfts aren't even really part of the conversation anymore could be wrong about that but when they were part of the conversation boom like dirty bird immediately has like the flight club and the different bird designs and made however much you know profit right well, i mean i don't know if profit's the right word but there was some money involved <laughs> in that but and so There's just crypto you know, involved which is awesome. yeah <laughs> um anymore but yeah yeah <laughs> um but either, either way regardless of that side uh it 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 demonstrated this very this this very strong ability to yeah. take something that came seemingly out of nowhere and thrive with it and so on the business side what do you think allows what do, you, what do you think allows you guys to do that you know i mean is it just pure like hard work and crunch time or is there you know just describe that a little bit yeah. i think i think i mean when the pandemic hit it was really hard because we had to lay off all of our staff except for i think we kept nicole on she was the only person um that's that we kept on and you know honestly we're like how are we going to survive we didn't really know um and it was really really hard um and i think dj's really just felt like that was the only thing they could do right um mm-hmm. and so i think everyone was just kind of scared you know um, to be honest, Barkley never loved streaming at all. Like, he never loved doing any of that pre-pandemic. And then mm-hmm. he kind of started to, you know, enjoy it um, a little bit. And I think, I don't know what it was, if it was just, like, 
I think there needed to be an outlet, right? For the DJs and for the label. I felt like there was that was the only way we could kind of keep the community together, you know? But it was, uh, you know, I don't think, we did have sponsors, but the cost of actually running the stream took all of, you know, the profit or any of that, you know, it was basically just a wash. Um, so it was really just keeping it alive. Um, and I think the only really, really fun time I had was couch out because that was hilarious. And that was funny and how we did the four teams and everyone had their color bandanas and they all like, it depended on how many times they commented, how many points they got. And then we did it for five days. It was incredible. It was like the most fun, and it did. It felt like a little bit of you know camp out kind of came together, um, probably like ten percent. But still, it was really fun, and so I think I think it's just something that we do. It's just in our DNA to keep it together, you know. Mm -hmm. On the NFT side of things, to be honest, I didn't really play a role in that at all, and it was really mm -hmm. all Barkley, and he. It's really interesting. He and I are super art fanatics, right? Um, and so I think that was also part of that, was like finding out what was really going on with NFTs in the art world. And then Dirty Bird was the first label to do the NFT um, and NFTs, uh, I believe, the very first. So it was like we just jumped on it and we had BirdCap. We had relationships with artists you know, that um, that we loved and that we really um, worked it. And then we somehow, you know, got connected with Blake Shine's boyfriend who did um, the NFT automation and stuff. So it was just super, it was like, it just connected. And I think Barkley wasn't touring. And so literally he put his heart and soul into it. And he mm -hmm. still loves it. Um, and I think that it was a really fun, you know, endeavor. And I, I think that money-wise, you know, who knows how it'll ever pay out or not, you know, with with crypto. I mean, this is how I am. As you can see, I'm very, not very optimistic about money. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I've been through it, right, so many times. Um, but to be honest, it's like you have to go for it. You never know. You never know. Mm -hmm. It did really I mean incredible right yeah and i mean you you say you're you're not very optimistic but to to a certain point there's there's been all the there's there's been you know the unprecedented challenges but it's always it's always persevered into a certain way to a certain degree and so with with that you know with those years of perseverance does that maybe take a little bit of the edge off i'm wondering <laughs> See, see, see it come through a yes. bit. Now, yeah. <laughs> um, definitely, you know, where we're at, we're in a different place, which is really great. But Barkley will constantly, you know, be, probably be touring because it's his love. But yeah, I really feel like, I mean, I think it's 18 years now or something like that of hard work. And, you know, especially Barkley doing it for that long. I think it's his definitely it has um been his legacy you know mm -hmm. it's great yeah 
Uh, and then just one final question. With this new phase, uh, label under Empire, events a little in a moment of flux, yeah. new things like NFTs coming up. Seems like, you know, it seems like, and then, you know, it seems like at least the pan- the pandemic woes seem to basically be over, at least in terms of like restrictions and stuff. Yeah. And so definitely feels like kind of a new chapter with that seems bit, maybe a bit more uh, flexible. Where do you see Dirty Bird going in the, in the future? Um, I can't, I mean, I don't know exactly about the label, but I will say that Bark is still a and it. And I know, you know, the clothing is great and um, everything on that side, I think, is just going to get more funding. Um, to sign more people and to expand the label, which I think is going to be great. Um, I know Darren's working really hard. Um, um, Dirty Birdie's still the label manager and, you know, signing up a lot more artists, um, which is really amazing. Um, So I only see that going great. On the event side, I'm just not sure yet where we're going to net out, to be honest. It's like I always... And I think it's always been like that. It's always been like, well, let's just see how this year goes. Well, let's just see how this event goes. Let's see how Camp Out goes. Let's see how, you know what I mean? It's always been this like touch and go kind of thing. Um, But it's just, it's like, honestly, we're just tired of taking that huge risk, you know, against Mm -hmm. our family and our house and everything. So, um, but I don't, I don't really know. It's really hard to tell, you know? So I just, you know, I think... We're just so grateful for the audience that stuck with us. And then, you know, Barclay's always touring and Claude's always touring. And so I feel like that can't be discounted. They're always, you know, artists are constantly touring the country and the world, um, you know, with Dirty Bird and uh, with the releases and, you know, continuing with the community. So I don't, I don't want to discount that. That's actually like the number one thing, right? Um, it's mm-hmm. just the, the Dirty Bird events, the bigger events are the ones that are just kind of at risk right now. Yeah, I mean, that, that it's it's certainly, like we mentioned a bit, it's, it's certainly a reality that not just Dirty Bird is facing for sure. But I yeah. mean, yeah. I, 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 I'm of the opinion that independent events are too important to people. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think the community will let, let, let those go, yeah. you know, and I mean, you know, I mean, the like, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I need to say more than that. I think that's yeah. that's that's what I truly believe for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, it it would be great to continue and keep going on that front. Um, so, in lieu of like, we're you know, this weekend's gonna be so amazing, and I'm sure camping will continue. Um, and I just think that it's just the other stuff where it's just um, you know. We'll see where it ends up, but it's never, like, we've never lost money on an event. It's never been a bad thing. It's just, like, it's it's always been just on the edge. Do you know what I mean? It's just, like, <laughs> the stress of it all is just so overwhelming. So I don't think, that, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think people understand that, what people go through that own these events, you know, these smaller events and the stress level that it that they go through. So it's just, you know, we're just going to take a break and see what happens. And if, if there's somebody who, or a company that, you know, 
has some money and wants to invest and actually blow it up, it could be incredible. It will, I mean, it's ripe for just that, you know? It's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly excited to see Campout's return for sure. Me too. Me too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that was all of the, the questions that I had. <clears throat> Thank you so much for taking the time yeah. in the in the few days between when you head head back out. Um, is there anything you'd want to just add while we're still on the recording? No. I think I just want to yeah. say thank you. Thanks for being great. Love it. Great talking to you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we can keep in touch a bit more and yeah, enjoy camping. Okay. Thanks so right. much.